stated that the qualities of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq were being mentioned and I will continue narrating them today as well. Hazrat Aisha relates that with regards to the verse الَّذِينَ اسْتَجَابُوا لِلَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا أَصَابَهُمُ الْقَرْهُ لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا مِنْهُمْ وَاتَّقَوْ أَجْرٌ عَزِيمٌ That is, those who answered the call of Allah and the Messenger after they had received an injury, such of them as do good and act righteously shall have a great reward. Regarding this particular verse, Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala has said to Urwa that, O son of my sister, your father, Hazrat Zubair and Hazrat Abu Bakr were among those individuals who answered the call of the Messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was injured on the day of Ahad and the idolaters had fled and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, feared that they would return. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, asked that who will go after them. Upon this, seventy men presented themselves for this task. Urwa stated that Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Zubair were among them as well. When the Battle of Ahad had came to an end, Abu Sufyan was in a valley and he promised to wage another war at Badr during the same days the following year. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, agreed to this, upon which Abu Sufyan immediately took his army and set off towards Mecca. Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has mentioned the subsequent incidents in the following manner. He writes that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, immediately dispatched a party of 70 companions, which also included Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Zubair in pursuit of the army of the Quraysh. This is a narration of Bukhari and the manner in which most historians describe the account is that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sent Hazrat Ali or in light of various narrations, Saad bin Abi Waqas in the footsteps of the Quraysh. 
and he instructed him to bring news as to whether the army of the Quraysh intended to attack Medina. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went on to tell him that if the Quraysh were mounted on their camels and were taking their horses along unmounted, then they should be rest assured that they were returning to Mecca and did not intend to attack Medina. However, if they were mounted on horses, then they would know that their intention was not good. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, strictly instructed him that if the army of the Quraysh was heading towards Medina, then he should be informed at once and in a state of great passion, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that at this time if the Quraysh attack Medina, then by God we shall fight them and give them a taste of their own. Thus, the men dispatched by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, went and quickly returned with the good news that the army of the Quraysh was proceeding towards Mecca. Hazrat Anas bin Malik relates that following the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Abu Bakr said to Hazrat Umar that come with us to Umm Ayman, let us pay her a visit, just as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would visit her. Hazrat Anas narrates that when we reached her, she started crying, and both of them asked, Ayy Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar that why do you cry? For whatever is with Allah is better for his messenger, peace be upon him. Upon this, Hazrat Umm Ayman stated that I know that whatever is with Allah is better for his messenger, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, the reason I weep is because the revelation that came down from the heavens has now come to an end. Hazrat Anas narrates that Umm Ayman caused them both to become emotional as well and they both started to cry with her. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, once stated that, O ye people, Allah has sent me to you, but you said that you are a liar. However, Abu Bakr said that you are truthful and he demonstrated his sympathy towards me through sacrifices of his life and wealth. In relation to this, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala states that it was Hazrat Abu Bakr alone in relation to whom the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, that every one of you rejected me, but it was Abu Bakr in whom I did not find any weakness. Then on the occasion of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, when a peace agreement was being established between the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the Quraysh, and when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned Abu Jandal in accordance with the conditions of the agreement, the companions were overcome with passion at the time. Whilst mentioning this, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has written that the Muslims were witnessing this scene and in religious indignation their eyes became gorged with rage. But out of respect, they remained silent before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Finally, Hazrat Umar could bear it no more and he came to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and inquired in a trembling voice, that are you not the truthful messenger of Allah, peace be upon him? 
The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that, Yes, indeed I am. Umar responded that, Are we not upon the truth and our enemy upon falsehood? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, responded, Yes, indeed. Umar then said that, Why then should we bear this humiliation in the matter of our true religion? Upon seeing this state of Hazrat Umar, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, concisely said that, Look here, Umar, I am the Messenger of God, and I understand the will of God, and I cannot act against it, and it is he who shall be my helper. But the indignation in the mood of Hazrat Umar was growing, moment by moment, and he began to say, Did you not say that we would perform tawaf around the Kaaba? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that, Yes, indeed I did. But did I also say that this tawaf would definitely be this year? Upon this, Umar stated, that No, you did not. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, responded, Then be patient, for God willing you shall indeed enter Makkah and perform the wa'af of the Kaaba. However, in this state of emotion, Hazrat Umar was not satisfied. Nonetheless, due to the unusual awe of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Umar left and came to Hazrat Abu Bakr, and in his emotion he asked the same question again. And Hazrat Abu Bakr also responded in the same way, as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr also advised him that, O Umar, look here, control yourself and do not allow for your grip to loosen from the rope of Allah's Messenger, peace be upon him. By God, this man in whose hand we have given our own is without a doubt truthful. Hazrat Umar stated that at the time, because of his emotion, he said such things but later he felt exceedingly repentant. Moreover, in order to wash away the effects of this weakness as form of repentance, he performed many voluntary acts as an expiation. In other words, he gave charity, fasted, offered voluntary salat and even freed numerous slaves so that the blemish of weakness could be cleansed. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala has also mentioned this incident. He writes, that once the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, addressed the companions and stated that I have given you many commandments and I have observed that there is a sense of unwillingness even in some of the sincerest among you. However, I have never observed such to be the case with Abu Bakr. At the incident of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, an individual the likes of Hazrat Umar Allah became perturbed and in that very state went to Hazrat Abu Bakr and stated that was it not God's promise to us that we would be able to perform Umrah? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that yes, God had promised us this. Hazrat Umar then said that was it not God's promise to us that he would help and support us? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that yes, it was. Hazrat Umar then said that in that case, were we able to perform the Umrah? Hazrat Abu Bakr replied, that, O Umar, God did not say that we would be able to perform Umrah in this very year. Hazrat Umar then said that were we granted help and victory? And Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that God and his messenger, peace be upon him, know better what it means to be granted help and victory. These answers, however, were unable to comfort Umar, and in that state of anxiousness he went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and humbly submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, was it not God's promise to us that we would enter Makkah whilst performing the Tawaf. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied in the affirmative, 
Hazrat Umar then said that are we not a divine community that was promised help and victory from God? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, again replied in the affirmative. Hazrat Umar then said that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, were we able to perform Umrah? Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that when did God decree that we would perform the Umrah in this very year? It was my belief that we would perform Umrah this year, but God had not specified this in his promise. Hazrat Umar then asked, and what is meant by the promise of being granted help and victory? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that the help of God will surely come and his promise to us will be fulfilled no matter what. Thus, the answer given by Hazrat Abu Bakr was the same answer given by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. In both these narrations, they differ in that the first instance, Hazrat Umar goes to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, first, and Hazrat Abu Bakr afterwards. Whereas Hazrat Muslim has mentioned the same incident, but has said that Hazrat Umar went first to Hazrat Abu Bakr and then to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Abu Huraira narrates that there were two men who were slandering one another. One man was a Muslim and the other was a Jew. The Muslim man said that I swear by him who has granted Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him superiority over all the worlds. On the other hand, the Jew said that I swear by him who granted Moses superiority over all the worlds. Upon hearing this, the Muslim man raised his hand and slapped the Jew on the face. The Jew went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and recounted what had occurred between the Muslim man and him. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, summoned the Muslim man and inquired from him what had happened. The Muslim man explained everything, upon which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that do not give me superiority over Moses. In the commentary of this hadith, the Muslim who slapped the Jew is stated to be Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, and this hadith has been narrated in Bukhari. Hazrat Muslim Aud mentions this incident in the following manner. He writes that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, cared immensely for the sentiments of the followers of other faiths. Once in the presence of Hazrat Abu Bakr a Jew said, that I swear by Moses, who has granted superiority by God over all prophets. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Abu Bakr slapped him. And when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, learned of this, he admonished a man such as Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu further states, and notice that under a Muslim government, a Jew gives superiority to Moses over the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and speaks in a manner that angers even a soft-hearted man such as Hazrat Abu Bakr that he caused him to slap the Jew. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, admonishes Hazrat Abu Bakr and states that why have you done such a thing? He has the right to hold whatever belief he wants and if this is his belief, then he is allowed to declare it. Then, whilst mentioning Hazrat Abu Bakr love and devotion to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Muslim Aud states that Hazrat Abu Bakr relationship with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was one of pure love. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, left Mecca for Medina, even at that time the bond was of great love. And when the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's demise came, that love was still the same. At the time that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was revealed, Nasrullahi wal Fatu, 
فصبح بحمد ربك واستغفر انه كان توابا and this indirectly conveyed the news of the holy prophet peace be upon him's impending demise and at the time he was delivering a sermon and mentioned the revelation of these verses the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him stated that allah the almighty has allowed for a servant of his to choose between his closeness and companionship or worldly success thus i have given preference to the closeness and companionship of allah the almighty upon hearing these verses the companions faces lit up with joy and they all glorified allah the almighty and stated all praise is due to allah for such days are upon us however whilst everyone was joyful hazrat abu bakr the allah ta'ala no let out a cry and began to weep uncontrollably and said o messenger of allah peace be upon him may our mothers and fathers and wives and children be sacrificed for you we are prepared to sacrifice anything and everything for you just as a goat is slaughtered for the sake of a sick and loved one hazrat abu bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anhu also offered to sacrifice himself along with all his loved ones for the sake of the holy prophet peace be upon him upon seeing and hearing him weep some of the companions inquired that what has happened to this old man for allah the almighty gave a man the option of choosing either his companionship or worldly success and he preferred allah's companionship thus why is he crying in these verses the promises of victories for islam were being foretold and even the great companions the like of hazrat umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu expressing their astonishment but the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him was witnessing the approval of the people and the distress of hazrat abu bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and to comfort him the holy prophet peace be upon him stated abu bakr is so beloved to me that if it was permissible to make someone other than god almighty a khalil I am immensely close companion then I choose him as my khalil however even now he is my friend and companion the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him then stated i ordain that from today onward those whose windows open into the mosque should be closed except for the window of abu bakr this is the manner in which the holy prophet peace be upon him acknowledged the love of hazrat abu bakr radiyallahu ta'ala anhu This love was perfect and enabled him to understand that behind the glad tidings of divine help and victory was the news of the demise of the holy prophet peace be upon him. Upon this Hazrat Abu Bakr offered himself and his loved ones as a sacrifice in place of the holy prophet peace be upon him in that they die but the holy prophet peace be upon him does not. And even at the demise of the holy prophet peace be upon him Hazrat Abu Bakr demonstrated an excellent example of true love. Furthermore whilst in the cave of Sur Hazrat Abu Bakr did not express concern regarding the safety of his own life but was concerned for the life of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and it was for this reason that Allah the Almighty granted him special assurance and comfort whenever he expressed concern it was due to his love for the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him on one occasion Hazrat Muslim Aud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu stated that it is recorded in the hadith that once Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Abu Bakr had a disagreement which continued to prolong Hazrat Umar was rather haste in his temperament which is why Hazrat Abu Bakr deemed it best to step away in order to avoid the disagreement escalating unnecessarily when Hazrat Abu Bakr tried to leave Hazrat Umar stepped forward and took hold of Hazrat Abu Bakr's shirt so as to tell him to respond before leaving when Hazrat Abu Bakr pulled himself away in an attempt to leave his shirt ripped Hazrat Abu Bakr then left from there and headed home however Hazrat Umar suspected 
that Hazrat Abu Bakr might go and complain about him to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hence, he followed him in order to relate his side of the story. But along the way, Hazrat Umar lost sight of Hazrat Abu Bakr. Hazrat Umar thought that he was going to complain to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So he too went straight to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And upon arriving, Hazrat Umar realized that Hazrat Abu Bakr was not there. But because he had started to feel regret, he stated, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I made the mistake of treating Abu Bakr in a strict manner. Hazrat Abu Bakr was not at fault. In fact, I was the one at fault. When Hazrat Umar arrived in the presence of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, someone had gone to inform Hazrat Abu Bakr to tell him that Hazrat Umar was complaining about him to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so it occurred to Hazrat Abu Bakr that he too should go in order to express his innocence so that the story was not one-sided and he could present his point of view. When Hazrat Abu Bakr reached the gathering of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, at that time Hazrat Umar was saying that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I made the mistake of disputing with Abu Bakr and I ripped his shirt. And upon hearing this, signs of anger were visible on the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's countenance. And he said, O people, what is the matter with you? When the entire world rejected me and you were also against me, it was only Abu Bakr who believed in me. It was only Abu Bakr who believed in me at that time, and he helped me in every way. Then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said in a sorrowful manner, that will you still not leave me and Abu Bakr alone? And it was just as he said this that Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala entered. Then, whilst mentioning the subsequent details of what Hazrat Abu Bakr did when he walked in, Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala states that this is an example of true love. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala made reference to this incident of Hazrat Abu Bakr walking in in order to explain the true love he had for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He writes that instead of presenting an excuse and saying, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, it was not my fault but was Umar's fault. In fact, when he saw the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was upset, and being a true lover, he could not bear for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to be in any discomfort on his account. And so as soon as he arrived, he sat on his knees before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, Umar was not at fault, rather I was the one at fault. Thus observe the degree to which he was a true lover of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for he could not bear for his beloved to be in distress. And seeing the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, displeased with Hazrat Umar, he did not make Hazrat Abu Bakr happy. Generally, when people see their rivals being admonished or reprimanded, they are prone to becoming happy. However, this true lover of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, could not bear to see the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in distress, no matter the reason. And so he decided that he would take the blame instead of seeing his beloved's heart in pain. And so Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala said with utmost humility that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, Umar was not at fault, rather I was the one at fault. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala states, that if Hazrat Abu Bakr was able to say that he was in the wrong despite being the one who was wronged, only so that he may ease the pain in the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's heart, 
then how could any believer avoid doing something which pleases God in order to draw nearer to his pleasure? And it is the hallmark of a believer that they strive to attain the pleasure of Allah the Almighty and avoid doing anything that would displease him. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala quoted this example with reference to this. Then Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala stated that Hazrat Umar brought a copy of the Torah to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and stated that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, this is the Torah. Upon hearing him, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, remained quiet. Hazrat Umar then opened it and began to read from it. Upon this, there was an expression of dislike on the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's countenance. And when Hazrat Abu Bakr saw this, he became upset with Hazrat Umar. And he stated that, Can you not see that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is not pleased with this? Upon hearing him, Hazrat Umar looked towards the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And when he also saw an expression of dislike on his countenance, he apologized and sought forgiveness from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala'anhu related this particular incident in the commentary of a verse of the Holy Quran. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's displeasure upon Hazrat Umar reading out a portion of the Torah was due to it being contrary to Islamic teachings, not because the Torah was being read out. And if anyone is interested in reading this commentary, they can refer to Tafsir Kabir, Volume 6, Chapter 24, Verse 3, under which they can find further details. Then Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala'anhu states that the manner in which the companions followed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is exhibited through an incident relating to Hazrat Abu Bakr. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala'anhu writes that after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's demise, when various Arab tribes refused to offer zakat, Hazrat Abu Bakr Ta'ala'anhu prepared to wage war against them. It was a sensitive time, to the extent that someone like Hazrat Umar suggested that such people should be dealt with leniently. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr responded that what power does the son of Abu Quhafa have to abrogate something which was commanded by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He further stated that by God, if these people used to give so much as the rope used to tie their camels as zakat, then I will take that as well. And I will not rest until they offer zakat. This narration has been recorded in Bukhari. Hazrat Abu Bakr further stated that if you do not support me in this matter, then don't, but I will face them on my own. This was the level to which they followed the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, even in the most dangerous of circumstances. And despite senior companions advising against fighting, he was prepared to face any threat for the sake of fulfilling a command of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Similarly, the companions urged to stop the deployment of Hazrat Usama's army. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr stated that even if the enemy gained so much power, 
where they conquer Medina and dogs wander about dragging along the corpses of Muslim women, even then I will not stop the army which had been prepared for the deployment by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Jabir relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that if I receive wealth from Bahrain, then I will give you such and such amount and indicated this with his hand. However, the wealth arrived after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's demise. And when the wealth from Bahrain arrived, Hazrat Abu Bakr instructed a caller to make an announcement. And he announced that anyone who had a loan with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, or a pledge, should come to us. He says that upon hearing this, he also went to them and said that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had made such and such promise to him. And so, Hazrat Abu Bakr who gave him three lab. And Ali bin Madani says that Sufyan would put both hands together to show how it was given three times in a lab. Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri then relates, that when the wealth from Bahrain arrived, he heard Hazrat Abu Bakr Taala's caller saying that anyone who had been promised something by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, should come. And so people went to Hazrat Abu Bakr and he would give them from the wealth. Then Hazrat Abu Bashir Mazni went and stated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that, O Abu Bashir, whenever we receive something, come to us. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr gave him two or three lab which turned out to be 1,400 dirhams. And a lab refers to both hands being joined and filled. Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq was in deep conversation with the companions when he said to a worker to bring some water. And after a short while, the worker brought water in a clay jug. Hazrat Abu Bakr held the jug with two hands and had just raised it to his mouth in order to drink it when he noticed that the vessel was full of honey and also contained water. And so he put the jug away and did not drink from it. He then turned to the worker and asked him what was in the container. The worker replied that he had mixed water with honey. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr looked intently at the container and only a few moments had passed when tears began to gush forth from Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu's eyes and he began crying profusely. His weeping began to grow louder and a state of intense emotions overcame him. People began to console him and asked that, O Khalifa of the Messenger, peace be upon him, what is the matter? Why are you crying so profusely? May our parents be sacrificed for your sake. Why are you crying in this manner? However, Hazrat Abu Bakr did not stop weeping. Rather, upon seeing Hazrat Abu Bakr in this state, all the people present also began to cry. And after they had let out their emotions, the people stopped crying. Yet Hazrat Abu Bakr continued to weep. When his tears abated, the people asked, O Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, why were you crying? What has caused you to weep so much? Wiping away his tears with the edge of his cloak and composing himself, Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that I was present with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, during the days of his final illness. And I saw that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was moving something away from him with his hand. But I could not see what it was. 
and with his weakened voice he was saying, Now get away from me, get away from me. I saw all around but could not see anything. And so I submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. I saw that you were trying to move something away from yourself, but I could not see anything around you. Turning to me, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, that it was in fact the world which came before me with all its attractions and comforts. And I said to it to move away from me. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was shown this in a state of a vision. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated that this world in the vision moved away from me, but it said that you may have managed to escape from me, but all those that come after you will never be able to escape from me. And overcome with anxiousness, Hazrat Abu Bakr shook his head and in a worried tone asked that I am afraid of this honey mixed with water, lest the world has taken hold of me. It was for this reason that I wept profusely. Thus, this was the level of his fear of Allah the Almighty within him. In the conquest of Iraq, the Muslims acquired an expensive cloak from the spoils of war. And after seeking counsel from the army, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid sent the cloak as a gift for Hazrat Abu Bakr and wrote to him to accept it as it was being sent for him. However, Hazrat Abu Bakr did not want to keep it for himself and nor did he send it to any of his relatives. Instead, he gave it as a gift to Hazrat Imam Hussein. The remaining accounts will be narrated in the future, inshallah. At present, I wish to speak about two deceased members and inshallah lead their funeral prayers in absentia. The first mention is of Samiullah Siyal Sahib who was serving as the Vakilul Zarat in Tariq Jadid and he passed away at the age of 89 Inna lillahi wa inna ilahi rajiun Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah the Almighty he was a Musi and his father was Rahmatullah Siyal Sahib Samiullah Siyal Sahib's family accepted Ahmadiyyat through his father, Rahmatullah Siyal Sahib, and he did the bayt in 1938 during the era of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II. At the time, Samiullah Siyal Sahib was four years old, and when his mother learned that her husband had done the bayt, she took Samiullah Siyal Sahib with her and left her husband. When this matter was brought to the attention of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II, he stated to his father that he should file a legal case to be granted custody of the child. And so he filed a case and was granted custody of the child and grew up in the care of his father. Samiullah Siyal Sahib's father was martyred during the disturbances in eastern Punjab. And thereafter, all of his non-Ahmadi family members tried convincing him to return and move away from the Jamaat. However, Samiullah Siyal Sahib did not leave Ahmadiyyat. He completed his matriculation exam from Talimul Islam High School in 1949 and he then did his BA in 1954 from Talimul Islam College and in 1956 he did his MA in Statistics from Government College Lahore. He has two sons, one of them is a doctor in Canada and the other son is Iftikharullah Siyal Sahib, who is a life devotee and serving as one of the departmental heads in Tariq Jadid Rabwa. Siyal Sahib dedicated his life for the Jamaat in 1949, and along with the other life devotees, he set an exam and also an interview, 
and the exam had been prepared by Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala himself. Following this, upon the instruction of Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala, Samiullah Sial Sahib enrolled in Talimul Islam College in Lahore to pursue further studies, where he first did a BSc degree and then later an MSc degree in statistics. His initial posting was in 1953 in the offices of the Jamaat and he continued to serve in various Jamaat offices. From 1960 to 1963 he had the opportunity to serve in Sierra Leone and in 1983 Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV rahimahu appointed him as Vakilul Zarat and Sanat al Tijarat. From 1988 to 1999, he served as Vakilul Divan, and from 1999 to 2012, he had the opportunity to serve as Vakilul Zarat and Sanat And from 2012 until his demise, he served as Vakilul Zarat. His total duration of service spanned 69 years. Apart from this, he was also a member of many committees of Sadr Anjuman and Tariq Jadid, and he was also the director of various registered companies. He also had the opportunity to serve as a muhtamim in various departments of Khudam al-Ahmadiyya for a very long period of time. His wife, Amtul Hafiz Sial Sahiba, says that in our 64 years of marriage, I observed that he was an extremely pious and compassionate individual. He always placed his trust in God and was a very loving person. He would always give preference to others over himself in everything and he would give precedence to the instructions of the Khalifa over everything. She further says, when I got married, he told me right from the beginning that he was a life devotee and the wife of a life devotee is also a life devotee. She further says that he was very caring towards the poor and extremely hospitable at home. His son Niftakharullah Sayal says that his loyalty and love for the Jamaat was instilled in him right from his childhood. During the disturbances of 1947, when his father was martyred, he was left completely alone. And as was mentioned previously, that only his father was Ahmadi from among all his family members, and his mother had also left them. And the rest of the family told him that if he left Ahmadiyyat, they would take on all the expenses for his worldly needs and education. However, owing to his love for Ahmadiyya and having firm belief in its truthfulness, he replied that even if I were to die of hunger, I would still not leave Ahmadiyya. And thereafter, he remained firm on his faith. He also had an ardent desire for his progeny to also dedicate their lives to serve the faith. And so, when I dedicated my life, he was extremely happy. At the time, he was in London and personally informed Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, rahimahullah, of this news. Upon this, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih Rabe Rahimahullah also expressed his happiness and stated that this is true work when the spirit continues through one's progeny. And whenever he was faced with any religious or worldly difficulty, he would prostrate before God and would pray fervently for the difficulty to be resolved. His son writes that I never saw him miss offering even a single tahajjud prayer in all my life. He would help the poor in every possible way he could. And upon his demise, Many people came to me and particularly mentioned that whenever they needed any money, they would immediately go to Sial Sahib and he would always help them.
he further states that at times, if ever there was an issue at home, and at the same time there was an opportunity to serve the Jamaat, then he would go to fulfill the Jamaat work and he would leave the household matter in the hands of Allah. He further says, He always taught me to love the Jamaat and to become a loyal servant of Khilafat. And he had great belief in every word spoken by the Khalifa of the time. In relation to this, he would mention that when he presented himself before Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih II with regards to dedicating his life for the service of the Jamaat, at that time Churchill became the Prime Minister at the age of 80 for the second time. And Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih II said to them that if Churchill can become a Prime Minister at the age of 80, then why can't you serve the Jamaat till that age as well? He would say that from these words he knew that all of the people who were present in that group of life devotees would certainly live till the age of 80 at least and that Allah the Almighty would grant them the opportunity to serve till the age of 80. And Chaudhry Hamidullah Sahib was his colleague and so was Musleuddin Sahib and they all lived till the age of over 80. His daughter-in-law says that my father passed away while I was quite young. However, I received the love of a father in the form of my father-in-law. She says that in the 22 years of my marriage, I have always received affection and love like that of a father. He was a true devotee of the Jamaat and had deep love for Khilafat. He looked after the poor and was a very hospitable and truthful person. He would always be occupied in the remembrance of Allah the Almighty and would express his gratitude to him over the smallest of things. He also played a great role in the upbringing of my children. He would draw their attention towards learning the translation of the Holy Quran and reading the books of the promised Messiah and then he would also test them on this as well. She further states that whenever the children would sit with their grandfather, he would always narrate to them accounts from the history of the Jamaat and the love and affection of the Khulafa. And even if a young child came into the house, he would not let them leave until they had been served and taken care of. Basil Sahib, who is serving as Naib Vakilul Zarat, writes that Samiullah Siyal Sahib was an extremely compassionate individual. He had immense love and devotion for Khilafat, and he would also financially assist the workers in the office. He would always advise us to have a connection with the Khalifa of the time, and he would always tell us that we should protect every bit of the Jamaat's wealth and he would remind them that the promised Messiah had mentioned that he was not concerned as to how the Jamaat would receive money, rather he was concerned as to having people who would look after it properly. He further says that whenever a life devotee or a Jamaat worker or any Ahmadi would come to meet him, he would always tell them that there was a great blessing in serving the Jamaat and those who serve the Jamaat, Allah the Almighty grants them abundantly and continues to fulfil their needs. And he would give his own example and say that he was nothing and Allah the Almighty granted him in abundance and this was all owing to his life devotion. Nasreen Haysaiba says that he was among our most important members of the family and my parents would always show him great respect. 
He did not have any daughter of his own, and when I was around seven or eight, he and my auntie adopted me, and I stayed with them until my wedding. They both raised me like their own daughter, and right from my childhood looked after all my needs. They provided me with an excellent education and got me married to a missionary. Mahmoud Tahir Sahib, who serves as the secretary of the Fazl Umar Foundation, says that he once told me that after completing his BA, in his initial posting he was sent to pursue an MA upon the instruction of Hazrat Muslim anhu. At the time, someone in the office expressed their concern to Hazrat Muslim anhu, that he was sending him to study for an MA, but he feared that perhaps he may leave his service for the Jamaat and find a job elsewhere. Upon this, Hazrat Muslim stated that Seals cannot be disloyal. Imran Babar Sahib, who is a Vakfe Zindgi and is in charge of the Jaidad department of Tariqa Jadid, says that I had had the opportunity to work with him for 15 years. He had great control over his emotions. He would never hesitate if he had to speak to a governmental official. I also had the opportunity to travel with him on train and he would always do tabligh whilst on journey and he would do so with a loud voice so that everyone near and far could hear him. Lukman Sahib, who is serving as Vakilul Mal Aval, says that he would always immediately respond to the instruction of the Khilafat and would also draw the attention of others to do the same. As soon as the new financial year for Tariqa Jadid would be announced, he would immediately come to the office and make his contribution and also write down his promise. Sheikh Haris Sahib, who serves in Tariqa Jadid, says that when I dedicated my life for the service of faith, he guided me at every step of the way. He was very loving and caring. He was an extremely brave and courageous life devotee and he always took great care in saving Jamaat's money. Haris Sahib further writes that in 2015, in Janeh, Javed Sahib, who is the chairman of Pakistan's Union Council, came from Islamabad to especially visit Rabwa. And apart from the various other elders of the Jamaat, he was also introduced to Sial Sahib. And in this short meeting, Sial Sahib did not let the opportunity for Tabligh go to waste and did Tabligh to him in a very excellent manner. May Allah the Almighty grant the deceased his mercy and forgiveness. And may he also grant the ability for his waqf son to also fulfill his waqf. And may he enable his progeny to remain attached with Khilafat and the Jamaat and grant peace and comfort to those who he leaves behind. The next mention is of respected Sadiqa Begum Sahiba, wife of the late Ali Ahmed Sahib, who had served as a muallim for waqf jadid She passed away recently at the age of 85. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Her son is Abdul Hadi Tariq Sahib, who is a missionary and currently serving as a teacher in Jamia Hamdiyagana. She was born close to Qadiyan, and her father passed away while he was quite young in 1944. Hazrat Muslim Aud took care of their widowed mother, Nawab Bibi Sahiba, and her children. They were called to Qadiyan. And Hazrat Nawab Amdul Hafiz Begum Sahiba radiyallahu ta'ala anha gave them a place to stay in her bungalow. The missionary says that his maternal grandmother had the opportunity to serve Hazrat Nawab Amdul Hafiz Begum Sahiba radiyallahu ta'ala anha. And he further states that after the partition of India, Hazrat Muslim radiyallahu ta'ala anha sent his grandmother to Nasrabad in Sindh and that is where they grew up.
the deceased, was the daughter-in-law of a companion of the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mia Allah Ditta Sahib, She was also the wife of a life devotee and also the mother of a life devotee. She lived with her husband, who was a life devotee with the same spirit of life devotion and supported her life devotee husband in their times of hardship. She never made any kind of demand in all her life from anyone. She possessed countless qualities, among which the most notable were her humility, devotion to God, simplicity, hospitality, kind nature, contentment with whatever she had, covering the shortcomings of others, patience and a great level of steadfastness. In all her life, she never complained about anyone and she never listened to people who spoke about the ills of others and nor did she ever commit any ills herself. She always treated everyone with love and sincerity and apart from her five daily prayers, she regularly offered the tahajjud prayer. Similarly, she would regularly recite the Holy Quran and during the final days of her life, her health had deteriorated a lot owing to which she could not properly pray. But she would pray that, O oh my Lord, Grant me enough health and strength so that I may be able to worship you properly. She is survived by two daughters and three sons. And as I mentioned earlier, that one of her sons, Abdul Hadi Tariq Sahib, is a missionary of the Jamaat in Ghana. And due to serving in the field, he was not able to attend his mother's funeral. May Allah the Almighty grant all of them patience and steadfastness and enable them to continue her virtuous deeds and may he grant her his forgiveness and mercy and elevate her rank. Alhamdulillah, <laughs>